Oh my god, what a succulent podcast we have in store. Just succulent. And you'll see why I say succulent later on in the podcast. Welcome to another virus special uh, Harland Highway podcast. I'm Harlan Williams, and today we're covering some, some great ground. Um, Dr. Debbie Timer is here. She's a life coach. She's a psychologist. She's a a renowned doctor of, uh, wait till you hear, she's one of these people that helps people cope and talks them through their problems. And in today's show, uh, she's going to be addressing uh, problems that are arising from the virus. So uh, stay tuned for Dr. Debbie Timer's uh, life coaching show. Also, I'm going to be talking, uh, comparing the virus to a famous show we all know, The Grinch That Stole Christmas. I'm going to break it down bit by bit and see how, in a way, The Grinch That Stole Christmas is is a bit of a parallel to what we're all experiencing right now. It's a, it's a very deep psychological breakdown. And then later in the show, Harland Williams, yours truly, believes he has found a cure for the coronavirus. Wait till you hear this. And also a cure for skin ailments thanks to a very famous mega top rock star. Oh, wait till you hear this. It's going to be good. Put your helmet on. Here we go. This is the Harland Highway. Where am I? What is this? Some kind of a joke or something? Welcome to the Harland Highway. What you talking about, Willis? Son, you got a panty on your head. Shut up and sit down, you big bald fuck. Oh, God, what's happening here? What's happening? Hey, Harland, it's Shelly. You just made a wrong turn onto the Harland Highway. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. That is fantastic. <laughs> What's wrong with everybody in this crazy place? The Harland Highway. <gasps> what is it? The opening. To what? To another dimension. This is Harland Williams. You're a bad man. You're a very bad man. That is fantastic. Oh, boy. Can you feel it? Can you see it? Can you can you feel it? Can you see it? Can you, can you sense it? What I'm talking about, my friends, is the change in the air. The vibe, the energy, the, the whatever you want to call it. And what I'm talking about is the vibe and the energy of you, of us, the collective human race. You know, there's a real interesting thing happening. Um, I've been, uh, since the, this virus has hit, you know, I don't like to sit still. I, th- I think sitting still is not healthy to just sit in your house. We we can't go to the gym in a lot of places. We can't go to the beach or the park. So what I've been doing every day without fail, I think I've missed two days since this whole thing started. I go for like a three-mile walk all through my neighborhood. I figured out every street in my neighborhood that I didn't know existed. It's so funny, after all these years, living here all these years, I've, I'm, I'm, I know every nook and cranny of my neighborhood. But what's real interesting is when I'm out walking, I'm noticing uh, uh, a change in the human spirit, the human collective. I'm noticing people are gravitating towards each other more. They're, 
They're opening up more. You know, when you walk past people in the street and, and you can just tell they're kind of guarded and they've got their they've got their psychological walls around them. And they've got their suspicious walls around them and they've got their scared walls around them and all the walls we build. And the more I walk through these neighborhoods, not only am I meeting people I never knew existed, not only am I physically seeing my neighbors, but I've noticed that like a banana being peeled, that the skin's coming off of everyone, that hard cold exterior, that guarded exterior that most of us carry around, that that we probably didn't even voluntarily build. But living in, in the world we live in and living in, in, in the society we live in, it's uh, it's all part of it. It's all made us into these these human beings that are very cut off from each other. There's a loneliness and an isolation, even, even though we kind of all pretend to be, you know, so social. We're really not. I think our phone, social media, which is media, not, not real life, it's media. It's, it's a made-up medium in a digital reality. Social media has, has replaced socializing. And what I've been finding is since I've been out on these walks, I've, I've noticed the longer this thing goes, the more people are out in the streets. The more people are, are coming together. The more people are stopping to talk. I even find myself stopping to talk. Usually I'll, I'll walk by someone and I'm always friendly, uh, maybe a quick hi or a wave or a nod, but now I kind of purposely find myself stopping and saying a few words and maybe asking a question. And I, I know for a fact it's because of this, you know, we, we are social creatures. We're like lions. If you put us out in the wild, we're like lions and wolves. We need people around. We're not like the, the leopards and the jaguars that are solitary. We're like the hyenas. We need the clan around us, you know? And it's not a necessity, but, you know, even for introverted people like myself, people who aren't super social and, and you know, even people like that, you, 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 you start to feel it. You start to feel when, when all the deals are gone and all the, all the schemes and the meetings and the planning and the money and the, the trappings of a modern society don't really mean a whole lot. It all just kind of melts away. It melts away a lot of this exterior crap. And what you're, what you're left with when all that stuff, that superficial stuff drips away like, like fat dripping off a, a steak on the barbecue... What's left standing there is just people. And guess what? People are all the same. Doesn't matter how high on the chain you are. Doesn't matter where you sit on the totem pole. People are all the same. 
They have a need. They have many needs to talk, to connect, to communicate, to touch, to interact, to even be in proximity, to exchange energy. And in today's world, you kind of think, oh, we don't need that stuff. I've spent a lifetime getting rid of that stuff. But like I said, when everything kind of starts to fade away, all the, all the stuff that we thought we knew, all the stuff we thought we needed, all the stuff we already have, when it becomes trivial... It doesn't matter what kind of car you drive or who you're having a business dinner with or where you're going for your holiday, what exotic beach you're going to, the the resort you were at. Kim Kardashian was sitting at the other table in the same restaurant. Who cares? Isn't it funny when when we can't do all that stuff? Isn't it funny how that sense of community starts coming. It's like a big dam has been built over the years. And behind that dam was was community. And now it's like the dam broke open. And all that that stuff, that old stuff from from the 1950s and 60s, you know, good morning neighbor. How's your son Jim? How's he how's he doing in college? Come on over later. We'll have a we'll have a beer over the fence. You know, that kind of stuff. And so I'm walking around and, you know, I passed some people today. There was a group of guys keeping their social distance, but they were playing a little game of uh, like golf. It was like kind of like, you know, that cornhole game where you throw the beanbags, but it was like with golf clubs and little baskets and wiffle balls. And then I came around another corner and there was probably about 25 people out in the street. It looked like a street party. And they're all respectfully apart from each other, and some of them had masks on. No one was getting too close, but you could just hear the murmur. I came around, I could hear people talking. You know, that that murmur you hear when a group is just having, everyone's having their own conversation. And I was like, wow. And you know what it made me think of? Remember the Grinch that stole Christmas? Remember when he went in at night and he he took away all the stuff, all the presents, all the trees, all the lights, all the decorations? He stuffed them all in his bag and he took them to the top of his mountain where his cave is. And he looked down and he said, Ha ha, I've ruined it for all those, those who and who's and whoville. I stole... I stole everything they love, everything they want. There'll be no more Christmas. It's gone. I've got it. I've taken it away from them. They'll be doomed. And then remember what happened? But this... This sound wasn't sad. What? This sound sounded glad. Every who down in Whoville, the tall and the small, was singing without any presence at all. He hadn't stopped Christmas from coming. It came. Somehow or other, it came just the same. The people had nothing, and they assembled in the town square, and they held hands. 
and they looked at each other and they they sang they sang beautifully together and and from that came their spirit that's all they needed the human spirit came out and and the grinch stood up there and looked down and he was he was confounded he was like wait what, what, what why is there joy coming from these people i've taken their christmas and the grinch with his grinch feet ice cold in the snow stood puzzling and puzzling how could it be so it came without ribbons it came without tags it came without packages boxes or bags he puzzled and puzzled till his puzzle was sore then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. So think of think of the Grinch as as uh, the virus, and think of us as the Grinch. We, we've, we've created this world for ourselves where people aren't friendly to each other and they're, they're not happy and they're, they're, they're mean and they're, they're hard and they're competitive and they're you know, all those things. And so the Grinch is the virus. He, he came and he, he affected all of us. And then all of us were running around acting like Grinches. I don't know how good our hearts were. I don't know if our hearts were in a good place. Maybe selfish, maybe self-centered, maybe conceited, maybe in the wrong place. Maybe some of us didn't even have a heart. But then suddenly, when the virus came, which is the Grinch and everything was taken away, all us Grinches, we had that Grinch moment, remember? When the Grinch heard the singing, the virus heard the singing and and all of a sudden, the Grinch's heart, it grew 10 sizes too big. It, it expanded it in that moment. And what happened then? Well, in Whoville, they say, that the Grinch's small heart grew three sizes that day. And then the true meaning of Christmas came through and the Grinch found the strength of 10 Grinches. Which is what's happening to us. We realize there's there's so much more that our joy doesn't come from all the the trinkets and the trappings and the gifts and the belongings. It comes right out of us. The joy lives within us. It always has. It always will. The human spirit. The joy inside of us. And it rose up. And all of our hearts in, the, in, this, in this coronavirus, maybe that's happening to us. Our, our hearts are expanding and we, we're, we're getting reconnected with our hearts. Our hearts are, are growing ten times and we're, we're forgetting about all that stuff. And all that nonsense and all that BS. And we're, the BS and we're remembering, I'm just me and you're just you and... 
and let's just talk and let's just connect and I, I care about you and you care about me and we're in this together and let's hold hands, let's sing, let's sing from our hearts, let's express the joy. And now that his heart didn't feel quite so tight, he whizzed with his load through the bright morning light. With a smile in his soul, he descended Mount Crumpet, cheerily blowing hoo-hoo on his trumpet. He rode into Whoville, he brought back their toys, he brought back their floof to the Who girls and boys. He brought back their snoof and their tringlers and fuzzles, brought back their pantukas, their dafflers and wuzzles. He brought everything back, all the food for the feast. And he, he himself, the Grinch, carved the roast beast. <laughs> right? And that's the beauty of what's happening right now. That's the beauty of this virus. Now, let's not forget people have died and it's been painful and it's been horrible. And it's a tragedy. But humans have always done this. They always look for something good and something bad. Even from world wars, something good comes out of a world war. Things change. Things emerge. Things, things shift. And from this, this horrible virus comes a world running on a, on a hamster wheel that's running so fast and trying to attain so much that it's kind of forgot, it's lost its perspective, it's, it's forgot about its heart. And this virus made the wheel stop. And it made everyone get off the wheel and look around and hold hands and, and sing. Welcome, Christmas. Bring your cheer. Cheer to all who's far and near. Christmas Day is in our grasp so long as we have hands to clasp. Christmas Day will always be just as long as we have we. Welcome Christmas while we stand, heart to heart and hand in hand. Oh, just as long as we have we. Isn't that beautiful? And that's the truth, man. Maybe that's where we're at. Something to think about during the virus and something to think about as we carry on through the virus and maybe get back on that hamster wheel or maybe not food for thought courtesy of the Grinch he himself the Grinch Ah, the roast beast. Oh, yes, the roast beast. It's, you know, it's a lot of stuff, you know. When you think about the, the physical side of this and the psychological side of, of something like this, you got to ask yourself, wh which weighs heavier with the average human being? And we're so focused on the physical side of it, the ailments, the getting sick, the possibility of dying, uh, etc., but just as deadly during something like this, when there's a radical change, when there's uh, when there's um, you know something that that threatens us and completely makes us spin our 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 routine around our lives, 
the psychological damage or the psychological baggage can be overwhelming. And uh, I thought it would be great to uh, bring on a specialist, someone who deals with human psychology, uh, a very well-accredited uh, psychologist. Uh, she uh, is Dr. Debbie Timer. And uh, Raj, let's patch through to her uh, segment and uh, let's let's have her deal with some of the uh, the issues, people calling in from all over the country and inquiring how they can cope psychologically through this traumatic uh, pandemic we're going through. Uh, patch her in, Raj. <laughs> Hi, I'm Dr. Debbie Timer, and I'm your life coach. I am my baby's mother's sister's daughter, and it's time to get a life. Your life. Okay, excellent. Excellent. Are we good to go? Okay, hi. I'm Dr. Debbie Thimer, and welcome. I will be your life coach for the next little while here on the show, and we'll be going all across the country taking calls from various towns and cities and places all over, coast to coast. And I understand that we're going through some very troubling times, and let's deal with it. Let me help you walk through some of the trauma some of the questions, some of the uncertainty you're having. It's a heavy load to carry. It's a lot to deal with. So why don't we open up the phone lines and I, Dr. Debbie Thimer, will help you through this this sensitive time we're all dealing with. Uh, Let's take our first call. Let's go to Detroit and I think we have Charlene. Hello, Charlene. I'm Dr. Debbie Thimer. Hello? Yes, go ahead. Dr. Debbie, is that you, Dr. Debbie? Yes, this is me, Charlene. You're talking to Dr. Debbie Thimer, and I will be your life coach. Oh! (laughs) Go ahead. What... Did you have a thought or a question? <laughs> oh, my goodness. I've never been on the radio before, Dr. Debbie Thimer. That's okay, child. You just go ahead. It's like any other conversation, and we'll talk about what's on your mind. Oh, my goodness. Well, Dr. Debbie Thimer. Yes? I wanted to uh, talk about gloves. Yes, gloves. Everybody is wearing gloves right now. It's it's the right thing to do. Are you wearing protective gloves, child? Ah, yes, Dr. Debbie. And um, I've been wearing um, protective gloves for almost eight years now. Is that good? Oh, my goodness. That, well, you know, I'm. that's very good. I mean, you, in a sense, you're ahead of the curve. And the gloves serve a very distinct purpose. They... They help protect us from spreading bacteria and enzymes and bodily fluids. That's that's, uh, very uh, 
a, a lot of foresight that you had, child. Thank you, Dr. Debbie. Yes, I've been wearing them all the time, and I wear them at work, and um, it's really, the, my, they're on my hands, and... Yes, that's exactly where they belong, and um, tell us what made you uh, sort of do this ahead of the curve, child. Why, why did you wear protective gloves before anyone else? Um, because of tomatoes. I'm sorry? Um, tomatoes, Dr. Debbie Thimer? Um, what do you, tomato, did you say tomatoes, child? Yes, Dr. Debbie Thimer. <laughs> okay, let's, let's curl back the, the giggling, the incessant giggling, and let's, <laughs> let's focus on what we're talking about. I just get nervous, Dr. Debbie it's okay. Just, just relax. Child, let's stop the god, the the the, the giggling. Yes, Doctor Thimer. Now, what did you mean? You had the protective gloves on over eight years ago. You said. Yes, I wear them every day. And you said the reason was tomatoes. Tomatoes. That's very. Curious, can you elaborate? Um, sh- shredded lettuce. Shredded lettuce. Onions. Um, black olives, green peppers. Um, spinach. Um. I'm sorry. Are you are you confused, Chachi? We're talking about the virus and wearing the gloves. Or I feel like you've gone off on a shopping list. No, Doctor Debbie. I wear the gloves also because of. Um, jalapenos and... Uh, okay, child, enough with the foods. Why do you wear the gloves around these food items? Uh, because I work at Subway. I, I'm sorry, child? I work at Subway Sandwiches, Dr. Debbie. Fire. I'm sorry. Um, and we have to wear gloves... Because we're touching the food, and I also wear them because of cold cuts. I'm sorry. Did you phone in to tell me we're talking about the coronavirus, and we're talking about protection, and did you call here to tell me you wear rubber gloves because you work at Subway, child? Yes, we have to wear them. Otherwise, I wouldn't want the damn things on my hands. They make my fingers sweat, and I feel like I have webbed hands, and I feel like a frog, Dr. Debbie Thimer. Have you ever seen a frog in a swamp? And they make those noises. They go, Child. Child, let's stop the fucking croaking. And the fucking giggling. Are you telling me you called all the way in to talk about you worked at fucking Subway fucking sandwiches, you fucking half-brained retard? Dr. Debbie, you're yelling at me, Dr. Debbie. Stop the fucking laughing, you cold-cut slinging fucking Swiss cheese fucking shredded lettuce fucking piling fucking 
dildo. Oh my god, Dr. Debbie, I'm scared. Dr. Debbie. Stop the fucking, get her the fuck off. Let's go to another caller. Fuck you, Dr. Debbie, I'm going to spit your sandwich next time. Fuck off. Next caller, please. Let's go to Clearwater Beach, Florida. And remember, everybody, we are talking about the coronavirus. And let's stay on topic, shall we? Go ahead. Carl, you're on with Dr. Debbie Thimer, your life coach. Uh, Hello, Dr. Debbie. How are you now today? I'm doing good, Carl, and you're calling from the south. That's right. Well, you know, we got we got the, we got the corona down here, and and uh, you know, I'm just trying to I'm just trying to figure this whole thing out. It's got me uh, more turned around than a catfish with rabies on its titties. Well, uh, you know, it is confusing. It's it's a complex uh, situation we're in, Carl. And what did you have to contribute to the conversation tonight? Well, I, you know, I wanted to know, uh, Dr. Debbie, how long do I have to wear a mask on my face? Because, you know, I find it very confining. I, I, I find it very, I feel closed in. I feel like I'm getting claustrophobic wearing a mask. I understand it. You're not alone in this cause, Carl. Many of us feel caged in by the mask. It's not something we're used to. We're used to having an open face. We're used to people seeing our faces. Well, now, not so much to me. See, I, I, here's where it bothers me, because I, I wear the mask all day at work. I'm, I'm considered an essential worker, and then I, I'm wearing this mask at home, and I'm just feel, I feel like I'm, I'm trapped inside a well, Dr. Debbie. Okay, interesting. Uh, well, you don't have to wear the mask all the time. Um... And it is just a piece of cloth, so even if you do feel unsafe and you want to wear it after work or around the house, I, I think you just have to get used to the cloth being. It's just a thin layer of fabric. Fabric? What the hell are you talking about, Thimer? I'm sorry, sir. Fucking fabric. My, my, my mask is like solid metal, and it's, it's got like a little glass visor in it, and it's a... Probably thicker than your sister's buck teeth, I'll tell you that. I'm so, I'm not sure I'm following you. Your mask is what? It's made of reinforced metal, and it's got a it's got a visor in it. You can stare at the goddamn sun till your fucking toenails turn purple. I, I I'm sorry. I, what kind of mask are we talking about? A welder's mask. I'm a welder. Excuse me. I'm a welder, Thimer. I gotta wear a welder's mask at work, and then I wear the goddamn thing home. I can barely see out of my truck window when I'm driving. I feel like I'm driving in the dark in the middle of the night, even though it's only four in the afternoon, for Christ's sake. I mean... I'm sorry, sir. Are you not familiar with the cloth masks? Hey, a mask's a mask. Times are tough. I'm not gonna go out and spend money on a cloth mask when I already got my welder's mask, would you, dumb? Not, sir... The, the cloth masks are $2 per mask. I mean, they're not... Easy for you to say you got a full-time job, Thimer, with your, you know, DeVry Law degree or whatever the hell it is. DeVry, you son of a... Sir, are you telling me you're wearing a god... a fucking welder's mask 
all day and all night. You just, I can't barely sleep in this fucking thing. I roll in, it just, I roll over in bed, it just about cuts my fucking nose off, timer. <laughs> sir, we're talking about a mat. You know what? Thank you for your call, sir. I don't think you're really understanding what we're talking about here. Well, maybe you can understand this. Why don't you sit on my welder face mask and I'll blow air straight up your uvula. Okay, you know what? The uvula is in the... Goodbye, sir. Fuck you, Thimer. Go suck your divine diploma right up your starfish hole, you son of a whore. Okay, let's take another call. Does anyone understand how this virus works? Can we please get some... We've got what, another... Okay, let's go right away to Reno, Nevada, and we've got Candy on the line. Hi, Dr. Debbie. Hello, child. Candy? Yes, that's right. My name's Candy, and um, I'm on a ventilator, so... Okay, that's good. You're probably in a bit of a dilapidated uh, physical shape right now, child. Just take deep breaths, and we'll try not to keep you uh, on the line too long. I'm sure it's traumatic. It really is, Dr. Debbie. I just want to know how long do I have to be on this ventilator? Well, it depends on your condition. How long have you been on the ventilator? Oh, I've been on it since it got delivered by Amazon yesterday. It's a pretty big box. In fact, so big I've been able to climb up on top with a, with a box cutter and I've been trying to open it. Excuse me, child? I'm on top of the ventilator and I'm, I'm wondering when the hell I'm going to get off this ventilator. Are you telling me you're, are you on a ventilator breathing? Well, I'm technically I'm breathing, but I'm on the I'm on the ventilator. I'm standing on the box. I'm trying to get the goddamn thing open. Amazon packaged their stuff so elaborately. And are you on a goddamn ventilator? I told you I was fiber. You're standing on a ventilator in a box. Yes, I'm on a ventilator. You see, are you mentally retarded? Why don't you smash your head into a brick wall and dribble your fucking brain up a, a bull's ass? Why don't you stick your fucking ass in a ceiling fan and chop it into salami slices and make yourself an ass sandwich, timer? Fuck you, I'm on a ventilator and you can suck my hairy clit! What the... What, uh, Okay, you know, idiot callers, we're done here. Clearly, many of you aren't grasping the virus. My God, someone get me a coffee. Go to a commercial. Fucking idiots. Fucking mental idiots. Dillweeds. Fucking fucknards. Fuck me in the hairy glazed donut. Fuck me. Whoa, whoa, oh boy. Hold on, everybody. Just uh, Did she hang up, Roger? God. She, for, it's, you know, every time I listen to her show, it, it's kind of bittersweet because she's got such a, a wealth of knowledge, that woman. I mean, she's one of the top in her field uh, for psych psychiatric care and psychological care and and she just can't seem to get a caller that gets it. I don't know. Maybe uh, it's just, I don't know. Anyways, thank you, Dr. Debbie Timer, for 
attempting to counsel us. And uh, be safe out there. Now, how many of you have ever thought about what it would be like when you retire? You know that day when that day comes when you're like, all right, I'm 65, I'm 67. I've been running hard and fast for a long time. I think I'm just going to stop everything. Well, guess what? If you've been wondering, you don't have to wonder anymore, do you? Because right now we're all freaking retired. This is what it feels like, you old bastards. Seriously. Have you noticed? Are you starting to think about the, the, the long, winding, meandering days where you're not going to work? You're not putting on the suit and tie or the, or the power suit or the power dress? You're not doing the hair. You're not uh, shaving. You're not grooming. You're not, you're not getting in the car. You're not getting your coffee. You're, you're not doing your little routine that you do day in and day out. For the majority of your life. Uh Uh-huh. Now it just stopped. Now you're doing what retired people do. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Well, the sun came up. I think I'll go. Maybe I can pick some weeds out of the garden. And then, uh, oh, I'll sit down and have a bowl of uh, oatmeal or some raisin bran. And then I'll, oh, there'd probably be good to watch a half hour of the news. And then, uh... Oh, uh, oh, I got to water the uh, driveway. I'll get the hose out and, you know, got to wash that sand away. And, uh, oh, maybe I'll, uh, well, maybe I'm a bit tired after the drive. Well, I'll lay down and have a little nappy poo. And then I'll get up and make a grilled cheese sandwich and some soup. And then, uh, oh, that crossword looks good today. I mean, yikes. Not many people in life have had this chance to to jump ahead in time. We've got to get back to the future, Marty. Uh, Why, Doc? So we can retire. I mean, you're in in a unique position right now to, to, to know what it feels like. I mean, sure, we've all stopped for a week or two for the Christmas holidays or to go on that that vacation to Hawaii but you know in your head that's just temporary you know you know uh, the the engine's going to start running again and even when you're on vacation even at christmas you're you're still kind of yeah i'll be down at the beach in a second honey i'm just going to i got to whip off a few emails for 4 hours yeah you just go have drinks and i'll be i'll be right down i'm just going to do some Zoom calls and have some board meetings. So even on vacation, are you really on vacation? You know, you're still working. The wheels are still turning. You're still thinking about everything. You're sending texts and emails before you go to sleep. And you're, yeah, let's go down and get dinner at the nice done. Just give me a half hour to, to get some emails done and make a couple of calls, baby. Right? But now... Now you just retired at 28. You just retired at 34, at 43, at 51. And here's the real bummer. You're not getting a pension. Here's surprise. You're not getting a pension. You're not getting Social Security. 
You're not, get, you're not getting nothing, man. You've been retired. No benefits. So you're experiencing a whole granola bar of going back to the future, Marty. You're, you're getting to see what it feels like to be retired. You need to see what it feels like to be retired without any savings. You're getting to see what it feels like to be laid off or fired. You know? And there's probably two schools of thought. You're probably like, oh my God, what have I been doing with my life? Why am I running around so hard, beating my head against the wall for what? So I can get a new Prius and and order Netflix? Maybe go to the Cheesecake Factory with the family three times a year. That's why I do this every day, week in and week out, year after year. And now my hair is gray and my back hurts. So there's that school of thought. Or there's the the thought where you're like, oh my God, this is is really nice. This is, I kind of like this. I think I'm gonna switch gears. I think I'm I'm gonna I think I'm gonna change things up. I'm gonna take this opportunity and make it work for me. Isn't it fascinating? And and you get to determine, oh, is is retirement boring? Is it mundane? Is it repetitive? Is it is it is it just like dragsville? Or have you kind of let the uh, the slow pace wrap itself around you and go, you know, this is more desirable. I've gotta I've gotta figure this thing out. Right? And so many of us are probably doing things that we didn't we don't normally do or we haven't normally done in the past. And one of the things I've started doing, I've mentioned it on my on the podcast here. I've been going for walks every day. Now, normally I go to the gym, I play racquetball, I work out. So I stay active, I play tennis, you know. I always make sure I got something going on physical that I'm doing. But the gym's closed down. Nobody wants to play tennis. I don't even know if you're allowed. And then so I go, well, what else can I do to be physical? I don't have one of those stationary bikes, which I'm kind of bummed about because I had one for probably 15 years just sitting there. I used it now and then, but I remember I, I finally got rid of it about a year and a half ago. I just I put it at the end of my driveway, and I knew someone would take it. It was actually a nice bike. But I said, ah, it's for the amount of time I use it, it's clogging up the living room. It's who has a bike in their living room? And and so I just got rid of it and I'm now I'm regretting it. But luckily I held on to my dumbbells. I had some dumbbells in the garage. So at least I can do a little weight lifting. But outside of that, you gotta you gotta do cardio, man. You gotta get the, the old thumper moving, the old heartbeat. Right? And so I thought, all right, I'm going to start walking. And so I'm doing these walks. I do like, you know, a mile, two miles, three, usually about three miles a day. And I've only missed two days because it was raining. So I've I've calculated and I've been marking down. The reason I know it's only two days, I mark down on a calendar every day that I do the walk. 
just to, to, to confirm I did it so I can look back and go, what did I do? And I've only missed two days since this whole thing started. Okay? And I think it was like mid-March. So, so I calculated. I figure if I'm doing two to three miles a day, and I've been doing it for almost probably a month now, I figure I've walked almost 100 miles possibly. Can you imagine? How many of you have in the last 20 years have walked 100 miles? And I'm not talking about outside of what we normally do, walking into the mall or walking to work, you know, up the stairs from your car to the house. Yes, we've walked hundreds of miles just regular walking, but I mean going out of your way to put in miles and to do it, to, to put in 100 miles in the span of like 25 days. I'm like, damn, you know, and it feels good. And, and I've gotten to know my, my neighborhood like immaculately. I, I know almost every road now. And one of the things you do on your road is, is like everything us silly humans do. We get into little patterns, right? And we start to create habits. It's just the way we are. It doesn't matter what we do, whether we go fishing, whether we we go canoeing, whether we go skiing, whether we go to the movie theater. There's always little rituals that we do that are always the same. We, we always get the same popcorn and drink at the movies. When we go fishing, we always put our, our tackle box and our fishing rod in the same place. And we use the same lure. And we, you know, there's, there's always something that we repeat and a lot of this stuff we just find along the way. And so a couple of things that, things that have happened to me on my walk, they're so silly, but it's just indicative of how silly we are. And I kind of like them. One of them involves a major, major rock star. Wait till you hear this one. Like a world-famous rock and roll god. And the other one involves me finding the cure to the uh, coronavirus. So let me start with the coronavirus cure. So every day on my walk, I live in Los Angeles, so it's sunny, it's nice. There's a lot of different types of plants. There's succulents, there's cacti, there's there's all kinds of plants. And both of these stories relate to plants, coincidentally. So the first story is how I figured out how to cure the virus. So every day I go on these walks and there's this one place I walk by and out in front of their house on the curb, they've got an overflow of wild plants growing on their, on their yard. And there's these great big bushes and they're rosemary, you know, rosemary, the, the, it's like a spice, it's an herb, whatever you call it. You use it for cooking and it smells beautiful. So I recognized it was rosemary, and it's a huge bush, and it kind of grows like a weed, to be honest. And so every day when I walk past the house, I, I stick my fingers into it, and I, I nip off a little sprig. I just, like a little, a little segment of the rosemary, probably like the length of uh, your baby finger, okay? And as I'm walking, I snip it off with my fingernails and I just keep walking and I bring it up to my nose and I sniff it because it's so beautiful. It's so delightful. You all, you all know how rosemary smells. And I'm not talking about that chick from your grade 10 geography class, sickos. 
Um, and so I walk and, and you know, I'll, I'll, I'll walk for the, for the next segment of my walk for the next like half mile or so every like 20 steps, I'll bring it up to my nose and just, ah, just like, like inhale right up to my nose. Oh, rosemary. Oh, it's like fairies swimming around in my brain. Right. It's just so pleasant. And then, and then my imagination, the human brain starts going, Ooh, wait a minute. What if that's the cure? What if, what if I found, what if just by some stupid, you know, they say a lot of medical miracles just happen by mistake. They're just accidents. You know, I think the guy who tracked the human uh, DNA, it was like a bit of an accident. And the, the man who discovered penicillin, if you read up on how penicillin was discovered, it was, they kind of stumbled upon it. Drugs like Viagra were an accident. Viagra was originally a heart treatment pill, and and they figured out that people testing the drug were getting these incredible erections. I mean, and so I started thinking, wait a minute. What if the the aroma, the fumes coming out of the the rosemary are the cure? They somehow they kill the bacteria, they kill the virus. So you sniff. You sniff in the rosemary and that strong smell wafts through your nasal cavity and up into your inner body. And whatever the fumes are and the particles that are attached to the fumes that create the scent, because uh, I think I think if I know my science, the reason we smell things is because there's enzymes and, and chemical traces on everything and, and those create a scent. I believe I could be wrong, but it doesn't matter. I found the cure for the coronavirus, so I know what I'm talking about, right? And I thought, what if by sniffing the rosemary, this is this creates the cure? And just by accident, this idiot on a walk every day, because he couldn't play racquetball. The history books, the medical journals go, and the cure for the coronavirus was discovered quite by accident as a simpleton named Harlan Williams would go on his daily walks and stumble upon a rosemary bush. Without knowing, without thinking, he would pluck a sprig of the bush and walk along and inhale it deep into his nasal cavity, (sniffs) unaware that the, the microbes on the rosemary fumes were assaulting the corona COVID-19 virus cells and are you kidding? Yeah, so this is, what I, this is what I think. And I laugh, and every day I do it, and in my brain, in my imagination, I'm the guy that cured the virus. Okay, so there's one. Now let's get to the major rock star. So here's the other one, okay? And this involves a plant. And in my neighborhood, there lives a huge mega-god rock star, by the name of Steven Tyler, the lead singer of Aerosmith. And um, and coincidentally, on my route, I walk by his house every day. I walk past Steven Tyler's house, okay? The, the, the dream on guy. Every time I look in the mirror... All those lines on my face getting clearer. The past is gone in my life. You know, that guy. 
Here, give me the real one, Roger. Thank you. So I walk past this guy's house, and before I tell you what I do, let me tell you about something on my body. So each of us have little bumps and bruises and nicks and scars and varicose veins and warts and moles and creases and crevasses. We've all got little imperfections on our body, right? So as a guy who's out in the sun and fishing a lot and gardening and doing things, uh, on my forearm, I have a little tiny dry patch that emerged about, I don't know, half a year ago. It's about the size of the head of an of a of an average nail, okay? It's like it's a little round patch and it's not brown, it's not like it doesn't look cancerous. It's just dry. I think it's just like sun damaged and and it's one of those things where every now and then, you know, it just kind of hardens and I peel off the it's not a red scab because it's not bleeding. It's just like that hardened calcified skin, you know? And so I peel this little white patch of skin off and then it regenerates and it does the same thing over and over again and yes i was actually planning to go to the dermatologist before this all happened to have her zap it and clean it up because uh, it's not brown it's not a mole it i'm not a doctor but it de- definitely doesn't seem cancerous but it is a reoccurring little irritant right not that it irritates me, but it just visually it's like, okay, well, I don't want a, I don't want a little dry patch of skin on my forearm. I'm too sexy for that, thank you. Okay, me and Cindy Crawford don't put up with that bullshit. Maybe you do, but me and Cindy don't. Okay, F you, dry patch. So let's cut back to Steven Tyler, the mega god rock star. And I hope he doesn't get mad when he hears this, but, you know, like he's listening. Um, But here's what happens. Out in front of his his place, he's got, again, growing just out on the edge of the road, are aloe vera plants. Aloe plants, right? Because I live in kind of a tropical climate here in California, and so aloe plants do very well. And they're succulents. They're they're very juicy on the inside, and they they have these long, kind of bendy green, like juicy looking. They're not. I don't think they're leaves, but they're kind of these appendages that grow out. They're kind of a weird looking plant, and they're very soft and squishy. They're almost like a sponge. And when you grab them, when you grab one of these little uh, uh, prongs, you can easily like pull them off or snap them off. And, uh, and so, as I'm walking by Steven Tyler's house, I'm, I'm starting to think about the healing properties of the aloe vera plant. You know, you always hear about how it's been used by, uh, you know, ancient civilizations, by Native Americans, by all kinds of uh, cultures and tribal peoples. And, you know, through the ages, they've said that the, uh, they have healing properties, the, the juices and the succulent goo, uh, the pasty-like succulent uh, goo inside of an aloe vera plant has been put in shampoos and potions and elixirs and medicines and Count Chocula. I don't know about that one. But at any rate, I started thinking, oh, they say that aloe is a natural, uh, natural kind of component that is very good at healing, especially the skin. 
And uh, and so I even actually asked uh, after the fact, I asked my my gardener, who's a Latino man, I asked him if he'd ever used it because not just because he's Latino, but also because the Latinos actually, I think, have much more of a sense of using things off the land. They 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 eat many different uh, varieties of cactus and things like that stuff that that I'm not familiar with coming from Canada. And so I asked him, I said, hey, have you ever used um, aloe vera to, to help heal any like uh, lesions on your body? He goes, yeah, actually I have. And it's, it's a very good thing to use if you burn yourself. So I was like, okay, I'm on the right track. But meanwhile, what, I was, what I've been doing on my walks is I walk past Steven Tyler's house. And again, I hope he doesn't get mad, but I reach down as I'm strolling past, right underneath the security cameras, by the way. So that's why I'm being kind of, he probably knows. Um, I snap off a little tiny piece, and, and these aloe vera plants, again, kind of grow like weeds, okay? So I'm not killing the plant or damaging it or anything. I guess I am a little bit because I'm, I'm snapping off a little segment and then as I walk past his house, I, I squeeze the ooze from the aloe vera plant all over my little dry patch. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to do an experiment here. Instead of going to my dermatologist, why don't I just make like a, an ancient civilization and uh, a civilization that, did, that didn't have dermatologists. They, they learned to heal from things on the land. Why don't I just every day I'll go past and I'll, I'll, I'll squeeze a little of the aloe juice all over my little nail head of a nail-sized dry patch. Right, Cindy Crawford, if you're listening? Um, and so I've been doing that, and I've only been doing it for about, I guess, about five or six days. And I got to say, the, the dry patch seems to be like healing up. It seems to be uh, decreasing in size. It doesn't seem to be uh, drying up as as quickly as it used to and reemerging. And so uh, I'm early in my uh, Aerosmith skincare experiment. So I'm going to keep doing it, and I'll report back to you, and maybe like I'll do it for like ten more days. And I want to see if uh, the, this natural healing is going to. Uh, Going to clear this thing up. So there you go. Nature is providing not only the cure for the Ebola virus with rosemary, it's also curing up my disgusting dry patch on my skin. So thank you, Mother Nature. But then again, Mother Nature also created the virus. So F you, Mother Nature. And then we'll, we'll put those two together and we'll end up somewhere in the middle. Like, you're cool, Mother Nature, but sometimes you're a biatch, okay? Kind of even it out in the middle there. But I love you. So I'll let you know. I'll, uh, I'll uh, keep you posted. I'll let you know if I ever get the coronavirus. And if I don't, you can thank Rosemary. Start snorting Rosemary. Can you imagine if people took that seriously? Like, I'm really doing this, by the way, but can you imagine if just this stupid podcast, people started, you know, Harlan's not sick. I, you know, what have I got to lose? Why don't I sniff some rosemary? In fact, why don't I sniff some nutmeg and some 
some uh, cinnamon, and why don't I just, uh, you know, Kentucky Fried Chicken has 11 herbs and spices. Why don't I just walk around with a with a chicken breast from KFC and snort that sucker in? I want to live! All right, I've gone too far. It's it's the aloe veras getting into my brain. It's the rosemary and aloe veras seeped into my system, and I'm going nuts. Although last night I was on the lawn grazing, eating grass and dandelions. No, I wasn't. But anyways, there you go. That that's just that's a couple of the weird things that have affected me from our behavioral change from the virus. These are these are things that never would have happened had the virus not come along. So let's let's, let's go through the list again. Rosemary snorting. Maybe I'm addicted. Maybe I have a, a problem. And aloe vera rubbing. Okay? Two things that never would have happened had the virus not started. So so I don't know. Maybe you want to share some of the behavioral changes you've gone through. I still have my phone line up. If you go to harlanwilliams.com, you can see a phone number on there. And you can leave a voice message. And maybe you have a couple of funny uh, antidotes for us. Now, you only get two minutes of phone time before it disconnects, so you're going to have to talk faster than what I've done here. I've been rambling for 10 minutes, but um, but if you want to share, please go ahead and, uh, and we'll leave it right there. I think that's a great way to end the show on uh, my rosemary addiction and my gross, creepy skin patch. Right? What's her name? Cindy Crawford. Why do I keep referring to her? Probably because she's the most beautiful woman on the planet, maybe. Hello. Hello. All right, so we're going to leave it right there, everybody. Uh, Please don't forget to check out my Patreon page. People have been joining. Um, They've been joining Patreon. That's Patreon backslash Harland Williams. Patreon.com backslash Harland Williams, I should say. And what it is... It's a it's a site where you can join, and it's exclusive Harland Williams material, videos, podcasts, uh, audio books, stories, photos, video. Like it, it's stuff you're not gonna get anywhere else. It's an exclusive Harland Williams club, and believe me, I'm putting some crazy, funny, cool stuff up on there. People are joining, and people are loving it. And uh, here's the kicker. You can join it, and if you don't like it, you can just unjoin right away. You're you're only locked in for the one month that you join, which the lowest rate is five bucks a month. And so for five bucks, you can go in and watch as much as you want. So, but I'm hoping you'll you'll love what you see and stay on. And the whole idea behind Patreon is that you kind of you guys kind of help me out with a little bit of a fee so that I can continue making this crazy stuff because it all adds up and it costs money and time. And so it really helps. And so your support of my creativity hopefully comes back to you tenfold when you get to enjoy it and laugh and think and and whatever you want. So uh, I urge you uh, to please at least check it out and then decide if you want to join or not. Uh, many of you have. Thank you so much for those that have. And uh, it's patreon.com backslash Harlan Williams. And take take a look. And uh, I really appreciate it. So there you go, gang. I hope you're staying safe. Be well. Sniff lots of rosemary. 
squirt aloe vera all over yourself. And until next time, chicken chow mein, baby. Sing we now, sing for the year. Sing for the left, sing for the tear. Sing we now.